the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back this Thursday, August 21st, 2021. Our phone number is 602-508-0960. lot to cover today. Uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland answering questions. Well, no, I should say taking questions, not answering questions. Let's get that right, uh, particularly with regard <clears throat> to uh, what we might uh, for short call his uh, letter to parents threatening to use the FBI should they continue to protest, raise questions and concerns, and exercise what until yesterday was known as their First Amendment rights to petition the government for a redress of their grievances. Now, one of the things that came out overnight, which was probably the last thing on anyone's mind, but I've been going to propose a new rule that had become quickly one of the things that should be the first thing on our minds. Did I say it's not? Did I say it's a month other than October? Did I say it was August? Portions of this show have not been so pre-recorded that I can't make that correction. August, October 21st. It's October 21st. I just got a bunch of corrections. Okay, sorry. Anyway, what none of us suspected, but I think uh, we now need to on a going forward basis, is ask the question, um, qui bono? Who, who benefits? Who benefits? Why, why would Merrick Garland do this? Well, ideology is probably usually the first and best explanation. But also, if everyone wants to be their own Woodward and Bernstein, let's take another lesson from them, which is follow the money. Follow the money. And so one of the things we learned overnight, waking up this morning, is that Merrick Garland's daughter is married to a gentleman, in other words, Merrick Garland's son-in-law, who runs a company called Panorama Panorama Education, based out of Boston, which is um, designed to survey and implement critical race theory. Want me to repeat that? Merrick Garland's daughter is married to a man making this man, Merrick Garland's son-in-law, started, owns a company dedicated to surveying schools and teaching critical race theory. Um, one of the things I did on the way to, uh, on the, way to the 3 o'clock opening here was take a look at this organization's website. It's kind of clever, and I don't know how much of this was done overnight knowing the news was breaking, but they've made it a little difficult to download the products from their website. Maybe that was always the case. Maybe that's new. Don't know. Doesn't matter. I was able to access a letter from the Panorama Education CEO, which they highlight as the, le- the CEO's statement against racism. You tell me if this 
reflects your understanding of critical race theory in the schools or not. Panorama is a company that was founded on the idea that every student matters and that every child and adult deserves schools in a society that treat them as who they are, important, precious, and full of possibility. This is not yet the America we live in. Okay? This is not yet the America we live in. We do not live in a country that treats every child as important, precious, and full of possibility. Probably at the margins, that's true. But let's get to the next paragraph. What is the America we live in? The America we live in is marred by a long history of racism and oppression against black people, capital B, that continues through the present. Until Donald Trump became president, until Donald Trump became president, would anyone really in this country be taken seriously for saying we are in present marred by racism and oppression? You know, that is to say, while Barack Obama was president, or maybe even after Donald Trump was president, recognizing that Kamala Harris is our vice president. Now, I understand that just electing a president or a vice president doesn't serve as an exhibit A that the country is not marred in racism. But let me reverse that question. Would a country marred in racism, marred in racism, twice elect someone like Barack Obama and make Kamala Harris the vice president? Marred means to disfigure. Are we a disfigured country? Are we? Let me give you more of this letter. We are angered and heartbroken by the murder of George Floyd, by yet another act of violence against a black person in America, and yet another consequence of the long history of systemic racism in America. People can see what they want on the video of Derek Chauvin and George Floyd. People are welcome and free to draw their own conclusions. But the system did recognize that there are criminals. And in this case, the system recognized that a cop was a criminal. And within a year, within a year, he was tried and convicted. Is that a system that doesn't take unjustified violence and actions against people by government officials or any officials seriously? More importantly, since we're going to, I hope, assume that we don't live in a utopia and that men are not angels and that occasionally every society, some more than others, are going to have people that don't do good things, if we can assume that for a moment, that we aren't able to drag heaven down to earth for a second, may I ask the far more pregnant and important question about the death of George Floyd? Was it racist? Again, feel free to use your own eyes and judge what you want for yourselves. But there was a trial, and racism was not part of it. Allegations of racism were not part of it. The charging documents did not include. The evidence did not show. He was, Chauvin, not convicted 
for having a racial animus against George Floyd. In other words, there was no evidence, no legal evidence or proof or proof, two different things, no evidence or proof of racism. The reason there was no proof is that they could not summon any of the evidence. What am I trying to say here? A lot of things. But I think trying to be an adult in the room about this, which is what most enlightened people should be, and by enlightened I mean people who believe in truth, justice, and the American way generally, trying to be an enlightened person here requires an understanding. It requires an understanding that whenever two people of different races or genders or ethnicities or you name it, whenever two engage in a conflict, verbal, physical, violent, nonviolent, it's not always, in fact, it's not necessarily because of the person's skin. And I submit to you that if there is no verbiage surrounding and no history of racial animus in the record, I submit to you that the first person that sees someone's color and charges that this is a racist incident without evidence of racial animus or history or verbiage, that they are the person who thinks with race on top of their mind, that the person who charges it, who says it, who claims it, might just be the real racist. See, I don't know. I don't know how you can have a system of government or civil society that claims to believe in integration, that claims to believe all lives matter, black, you name it, brown, white, I don't care, that claims to believe all lives matter, or as this letter says, all children are important, precious, and full of possibility. I don't know how you can have that system, while at the same time you have minority spokespeople, or Ilan Omar, she says this a lot, saying you don't want to be othered, but then be cognizant exclusively of the racial component of every single situation. You don't want us othering others. What does that mean? It means separating them somehow based on their culture, heritage, or ethnicity, doesn't it? Doesn't that, isn't that what othering means? Making someone feeling different, or as they like to say, less than, because of their having been othered? Well, there's a way not to other people. You know how how not to other people? Don't take account of their race, especially when it's irrelevant. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. If you haven't heard about our great event coming up November 16th, America for which it stands, I think it's going not to be the event of the year, maybe, possibly, especially given the stakes, event of the decade. It's at Orpheum Theater, and we're bringing in Dennis Prager, Charlie Kirk, and, yes, Larry Elder. You can get tickets at 960thepatriot.com, 960thepatriot.com. Discounts for those who sign up to become 
Patriot Insiders as well. I'll be there, too. It'd be great to see you. Shake your hands, say hello, give you a hug, whatever it is you want. Uh, I was speaking about adults in the room when it comes to race issues. And for some reason, the view, the folks at the view thought it would be a good idea to bring in someone with an IQ that actually hits the three digits. So they went with someone whose IQ is a lot higher than just the low three digits. Um, You may agree with her on a lot of things. You may disagree with her on a lot of things. But there is no denying this woman has some brains. And that's been Condoleezza Rice. And she decided that she would try her hand at being a guest host on The View, replacing the spot of Meghan McCain. Maybe once she sees what Meghan McCain went through, Uh, with the, uh, well, nothing short of it, mental torture that those ladies inflicted on her. Maybe Condi Rice will have a uh, different takeaway, but maybe not. Maybe they will treat Condoleezza Rice differently than they treated Meghan McCain. Hard to say. Hard to say. It's, uh, It's always interesting that verbally the Democrats like to tell us that our party should highlight more moderates. And if you think about who represents the moderate wing of our party or the moderate emblems of our party, you would think, oh, the Romneys, to be sure, Uh, the McCain, uh, John McCain was was the example in his lifetime. Uh, Condi Rice certainly would be uh, fair to put in that category, too. And then when they do show up, when the moderates do show up, they are treated the same way Steve Bannon is treated by the left. Or pick your through and through true red conservative. If it's not Steve Bannon, pick someone else. I don't care. You take my point. They lie when they say we should have moderates. They had a Romney on that show too. They No, I guess they didn't. They had a Huntsman. They had a Huntsman. John Huntsman was a moderate. They had a Huntsman and they treated her the same way they treated Megan. But when we're talking about adults in the room, particularly on the race issue, Condi Rice is an interesting person because she knows a lot about it. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Waddell statues that are in this city. There's a few in front of the Phoenix Theater, but the ones that I have always uh, thought about and grown up with and that have meant a lot to me are the ones off Lincoln in the back of the Unitarian Church on Lincoln uh, Lincoln Avenue in um, in uh, roughly between it'd be roughly around 34th Street in Lincoln, and these statues are really very moving, and they're four women that the artist Waddell envisioned as adults because they were killed as kids. They are four black women who were killed as kids in a Birmingham church bombing. They were friends with Condoleezza Rice. They were members of her church. Condoleezza Rice knows a thing or two. She knows a thing or two about racism. And she knows a thing or two about racism and America. One of the girls depicted at these very moving statues was her best friend until a bomb killed them. I listen carefully to what Condi Rice has to say about this stuff because she didn't learn about racism at Harvard's Graduate School of Education or Columbia's School of Journalism. 
she learned about it by living it and having her church bombed and losing her best friend. And so the discussion of critical race theory comes up on The View today. All eyes and ears, I suspect, would want to be on Condoleezza Rice after Whoopi Goldberg introduces the topic. I guess that's how it goes. Whoopi introduces the topic and throws it open to the table. Guess who grabbed the mic first? Probably the person least knowledgeable about critical race theory and race issues, Joy Behar. Probably the person sitting at the table the least knowledgeable. So she filibustered, concluding that, well, if you don't like what's being taught, go to homeschool. And we may even have part of that in this clip. And Condi Rice picks up the baton. Work with me on this, Bill. Go ahead. But it's nice to hear from them. But if they are adamant and they don't want you to teach uh, what is going to be taught, period, Mm -hmm. they're going to have to homeschool their kids because this is not going to wash. Well, they're they're actually homeschooling them in increasing numbers. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a a signal. Uh, First of all, parents ought to be involved in their their children's uh, education. Their children are in school seven hours. That's a very formative period. And uh, I think parents ought to have a say. We used to have parent-teacher conferences. We used to have PTAs. There are lots of ways for parents to be involved, and they should be. But if I could take a moment to talk about the whole issue of critical race theory and what is and is not being taught. Uh, I come out of an academic uh, institution, and uh, this is something that academics debate, what is the role of race and so forth. And and let me be very clear. I grew up in segregated Birmingham, Alabama. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't go to a movie theater or to a restaurant with my parents. I went to segregated schools till we moved to Denver. Mm -hmm. My parents never thought I was going to grow up in a world without prejudice, but they also told me that's somebody else's problem, not yours. You're going to overcome it. And you are going to be anything you want to be. And that's the message that I think we ought to be sending to kids. One of the worries that I have about the way that we're, we're talking about race is that it either seems so big that somehow white people now have to feel guilty for everything that happened in the past. I, I mm-hmm. don't think that's very productive. Or black people have to feel disempowered by mm-hmm. race. I would like black kids to be completely empowered, to know that they are beautiful in their blackness. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, I don't have to make white kids feel bad for being white. So somehow this is a conversation that has gone in the wrong direction. Keep that last part. You don't have to watch. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of in order for. Hold that a second. Hold it right there for a second. Anyone familiar with the debates around this? Actually, anyone familiar with the debates around race and racial awareness? since George Floyd's death would know exactly what Condi Rice is talking about, exactly what she's talking about, about targeting, you know, making whites feel bad to make blacks feel better. Everyone would know that. They would know it from what they saw at the Smithsonian. They would know it from what has been taking place in the curricula. They would know it when it comes to anti-racist babies, the project by Ibrahim Kendi. They would know that white people, white children, are in fact taught to feel, can I use that phrase again that Ilan Omar uses so frequently, less than. They know exactly what Condi Rice is talking about. But Joy Behar didn't, which is why she asked the question, wait, what, what is that part you're talking about? Condi Rice deals with that like an adult, too. We'll be right back.
I could just listen to that all day. Sorry, a little Neil Sedaka. Charles, uh, Charles LaPress, uh, Charles listener, Charles here in Phoenix is uh, one of our best uh, writers and cultural, has one of the greatest cultural eyes. He was uh, listening to uh, uh, what I was saying about Condoleezza Rice and what was taking place on The View. And he writes me, this accomplished woman of great achievement and intellect, Condoleezza Rice, gets an argument. (laughs) I'm sorry, Charles. (laughs) I don't know if I'm tired or you just... Hit, hit hit the mark here. This accomplished woman in intellect, Condoleezza Rice, gets an argument from Bahar, which which is like Einstein being ridiculed by Carrot Top. <laughs> and phony coward Whoopi does what she does every time she gets hot in the kitchen. Time for a commercial break. Um, there's more to what Charles wrote, uh, and I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, exact uh, in in just a few moments. But Condi Rice deserves uh, – she's getting torn up on media and social media, Condoleezza Rice is. Uh, this is a woman of thick skin. She can handle it. Uh, but let me just recap and take it from here with her uh, response. So she's saying, look, the problem with critical race theory is – and she did She did a noble thing. She did. I didn't play it because I was just trying to limit the torture. But Whoopi Goldberg's intro – said critical race theory, critical race theory, which which is only taught in law schools and not in schools, to which Condi Rice said, I hope it's not. <laughs> you know? Okay, so she's against this stuff. So she's saying that when it comes to race and education, uh, every minority student, she, she said every black child should, should, should feel special, should feel special, I think she said, in, in her blackness. But you don't need to feel, feel special by making children who aren't black feel like it's their fault and that they're the problem. And this set off a question by Joy Bahar saying, what are you talking about? So, Bill, if you can pick it up from there, I think I think we're I think we're at about that point. Go ahead. That last part, you don't have to watch. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of it in order for black kids who, quite frankly, for a long time, the way they were portrayed, the way their history was portrayed, right. it was second-class citizenship. Of course. But I don't have to make white children feel bad about being white how in does, order to overcome the fact that black children uh, were... How does that happen? How does that happen? How does that happen? Well, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't expect the ladies on The View to be listening to this show, and that's fine. But the evidence is out there by dint of the fact that I don't know how many monologues I spent identifying cases of this last year and this. But I don't know. Conservatively, I probably pointed out 50 cases of what used to be called reverse racism. And certainly, certainly we can show it at ASU only last month where two white students were forced forced out of a multicultural center for the crime of being white, the crime of being white. Okay, so someone someone ate their Wheaties. I don't know this other person on the on the view, Sarah. uh, I don't know her, but uh, she 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 was ready for Joy Bahar. This was a great meltdown on the view. Bill, uh, Condi Rice had allies she didn't know about. So Joey Bahar said, what are, you, what are you talking about making white people feel badly about their race? Go ahead. 
examples here, yeah, actually. Yeah. In Cupertino, California, um, in an elementary school, uh, third graders are uh, instructed to rank themselves based on their power and their privilege. Uh, California's Department of Education is proposing to eliminate opportunities for accelerated math in the name of equity. In Greenwich, a white bias survey is handed out to seventh grade English class. Uh, a New York private school um, is... Separating by race, gender, and ethnicity, white identifying group met with a white consultant who displayed a slide that named supposed characteristics of white supremacy. Uh, an equity statement from the school district of Palm Beach County outlined the initiative dismantling structures rooted in white va- advantage. It's happening uh, across the country. She well, could have cited the Smithsonian, again, too. If you which, have no. a teacher, history is going to be taught. Yeah, absolutely. History is and going it should to be, be taught. taught. And as we were talking earlier, you know, when you go to Texas... You talk to Mexican kids who feel like crap because they're being told they're less than because of the Alamo. That is not happening. That is not happening in the Texas public schools. I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that. But Condi has a better response than my guarantee. Stay with me. Stay with me. Oh, and uh, word has it that we're going to hear from the man of the hour, Mr. Andy Biggs, who... uh, Gave to Merrick Garland what he deserved and had coming to him. We'll be right back. Well, while uh, while Paul McCartney is singing about with a little luck we can clear things up, it's not with a little luck. It's with a little Andy Biggs. Andy Biggs, man, you were on fire today, and thank goodness for you. Thank God for you. Thanks for being uh, here. Thanks for what you were doing today and every day. Hope you're having a good day. You, well, it's been a it's been a busy day. Lots of lots of stuff going on, and trying to fight the fight. And there's there's a there's a lot of fires that we have to start. A lot of fires of freedom. A lot of people have to start because uh, we're we're going against a big bad bully. You know. Yeah. Listen, you really did. You did a great job today. Let me ask. Thank let you. me start this way, Andy. We're talking, of course, about your interrogating of uh, Merrick Garland, the U.S. Attorney General, over his uh, memo, FBI, and. Uh, and school board uh, meetings. Uh, Andy, let me ask you this, just stepping back, and then we'll get into some of your bill of indictment, uh, if we can. Did you hear anything, even granting that you're talking to a liberal or leftist, did you hear anything today from Merrick Garland, either in your questioning or someone else's, that sounded like at least a plausible rationale for his memo? No, for the memo, no, absolutely not. No, no. I mean, he he actually confessed that uh, he worked on the memo. He decided to write the memo because he didn't. He wouldn't go beyond this. But the only things that he had were this uh, propaganda group that wrote a piece yep. to him, National Association, and, and then yep. a few newspaper articles. Yep. And, and you just go, you're going to you're going to surve- basically surveil Americans. And chill their free speech um, over over that. There's no data over over one pressure group's letter. And actually, it may not have been the whole pressure group. It looks like some of the board of the National Association of School Boards might be upset with the president over not having their approval. But that's the smallest of this, so I don't want to spend a lot of time right. on that. But but but. Was there any evidence put forward that there were statements coming up from U.S. attorneys, FBI's, uh, FBI offices across the country? Was there some brave agent like there was in Arizona at the flight school saying, hey, you got to look out for this? 
It, no is the answer. No. Yeah, no. No, nothing. And, 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 and he was un- – see, here's the problem with it. He was unfazed that – yeah. That there was yeah. there was nothing there yeah. when when he was asked, well, what data? You know, how did how did you come to this conclusion? There was nothing there. Um, you know, is there is are there FBA uh, statistics that are coming in? Like, yeah, we track so many things, so many types of crimes. Um, were, was there anything there? No, nothing. I know when I know I know sometimes when you come on this show you feel like you have to review your psych 101 class but that was the <laughs> <laughs> that was sorry that was the takeaway I had from watching what I watched the most frightening to me frankly the most frightening part of what I saw today was his lack of any embarrassment or shame he didn't blush he didn't sweat he was as cold and banal as anyone could possibly be, over something that most people would be ashamed, embarrassed, and sweating over. That's what worried me, Andy. Did you pick up on that, or am I wrong about that? No, you were, you were exactly right. And, and so when I was questioning him, uh, my, my impression is, um, I think he felt a little small, okay. because, but, but, uh, but not enough. I mean, yeah. when you start looking at all the things that I'm bringing up with him, all the different yep. things that are going on, and the fact that you're not investigating this uh, obvious violation of law, you're right. not doing anything on this thing, and and he just he's got no answers for it. Uh, I just and he's not ashamed. That that's the thing. Yeah. There was there was no shame in any of it. There was no embarrassment because well, I mean, he still I mean, thinks it, you're wrong and he still thinks he's right. That's the thing, right? Right. I mean, and, and that that becomes the pathological mind, yep. right? I mean, yep. Uh, I mean, so if you want to dust off, yeah, yeah, yeah. one hundred and one. I mean, yeah. that's that, that's really it. I mean, uh, the guy. If you can't, if you don't feel shame, or remorse, or empathy. Yeah, no, you're in sociopathic territory. You're in yeah. sociopathic territory where 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 the consequences mean nothing to you, and you think you're right, and everyone else is wrong. You want to do a little of your bill of indictment for the audience that may have missed it. Whether you want to talk the border, the Facebook, the Zuckerberg, any of it, go ahead and, and tell the audience some yeah, of the stuff you, you threw know, at so, them. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I mean I brought up I brought up Facebook admitting that they're that they were aiding and abetting. Illegal aliens, right? I mean, that's what they admit. They admit we, 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 we're admitting this. They admit that to the Arizona Attorney General, right? And then, um, and and that's a criminal offense. And I, I asked him if you're doing anything to investigate that. No. How about Mark Zuckerberg and his 400 plus million plus uh, uh, with this stated purpose of of orchestrating uh, and taking over government election operations? How about that? Yeah. Uh, no, no, not nothing there. How about vice? How about how about Kamala Harris? I mean, think about that one. Three hundred churches in Virginia yeah. uh, get a video for her to support uh, the Democrat candidate at their church yeah. function. Yeah, that's that's a violation of, of of FEC laws as well as as well as the uh, IRS code. Last I learned, last yeah, I checked, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly right. And then how about how about the uh, the border patrol stuff. Are you are you prosecuting any of these people? And the answer is no. Um, and, I mean, there were so many more things I had to ask him. Uh, oh, how about the Fauci perjury? Right. Uh, this was in my mind. This was just fortuitous. Fauci is, uh, and now the NIH is having to come clean because they know um, that if if the lower down you go protecting Fauci, that they're going to get inculpated as well. Uh, so. 
what they did is they said, well, look, you know, he, what he said was not true. So, so you got this, you got perjury. You're going to look at that. Of course, he's not going to look at that, but he's going to look at parents who show up at school this school board meetings to say, look, we don't like the garbage you are foisting on our kids. This anti-American, this race-based uh, uh, curriculum that you're doing, we're going to do that. I mean, he said, oh, well, we don't care about the curriculum. That's not our federal issue. No. But you're, you sure care about the, spe- the free speech rights that you're going to impinge. No, they don't care about that either. Andy, you have a broader view sometimes, often, often. You have a broader view than I do because of self-selection. You represent broad swaths of populations, and I hear from uh, some, some liberals and some leftists. But I would say predominantly my show is probably mostly listened to and feedback is mostly from conservatives. Uh, I I think that's fair to say. And so the question I want to ask you is this, your sense with your broader view of things. I would would suggest that 10 years ago, maybe even – yeah, let's stick with 10 years ago. 10 years ago, something like 75 percent of the American people I think would instinctually, if they didn't know who you were or I was, would agree with the things we're saying and disagree with the things Merrick Garland is saying about the use of the FBI, uh, uh, critical race theory in our schools, parental rights, civil liberties. I think 10 years ago, at least 75 percent of the country. Do you think that's changed substantially? Or do you think no. that the left is in a is, is in their own bubble, an echo chamber? What's your sense uh, of where I, America I, is on this? I, I think it's probably down to sixty percent okay. agree agree with us. And and the, the, just think how how we've gone in our lifetime. When I grew up, there was a movement to question authority. Right. So yeah. so um, and that was that was from the left and the right. Dissent is patriotic. I seem to recall bumper stickers saying exactly. Yeah. And and, and now. And now, if you question authority, um, it's a problem. Uh, and and so I would say you're probably a sixty forty, and um, and not all the time sixty forty, not all the time sixty forty agree with us. How um, how serious can I ask you? How serious is the issue? Have do you take? How serious do you take the issue? of that which we woke up to to finding out this morning that 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 Mr. Garland's attorney general Garland's son-in-law is invested in teaching critical race theory. Well, um so I've known about it for a good couple weeks. Okay. Um and uh I I hope I would have hoped that it would have caught fire when I first found out about uh, whenever it was, you know, 10 days ago or whatever. Okay. I would have hoped that Seth that it would have engulfed this this country. I would have thought, and um, you know that didn't happen. You've got Hunter Biden's right. um, um, deal. That's that's not that that doesn't seem to matter. We are. I would guess that there's a certain. Um, Animony, uh, if I can put it that way, oh. about about this, where people have become calloused in some ways. Unless, but that's probably a better word. Calloused and 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 inure, uh, they're they're so buffeted with this kind of scandal that they're 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 not 
awestruck anymore. They're not aggravated anymore. I have, a, like I have a list huh. of about 10 huh. things that would have been the stories of a year that just happened this year that have been swept under the rug and memory hold. Yeah. I might write – you know what? I'm going to see if you want to write it up with me. I, 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 I'll check with you offline. <laughs> we may yeah, want to do sure. an op-ed on this together. It might be an interest. Andy, I know you're busy, and I appreciate you coming on. God Thank bless you, you sir. Thank you, you, bet you. Chef. Bless you, bless Take you, care, bless man. you. Go get them. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Uh, don't go away. We've got a lot more coming at you. Just something I'll no- I wanted to make note of, and I'll do it in this short segment. Story that vaccines will now be available for the population of 11 to f- 5 years old to 11 years old. One reporter I saw uh, on Twitter wrote, yay. It's a reporter, not an op-ed columnist. Yay. Yay. Is it Yay. Do you know how many people under the age of 11 in this country have succumbed to COVID? 150. One one thousandth percent of the population. Oh, of all COVID deaths, two one hundredths of a percent. Why, why is this a yay? Why is it? Marty McCary says every single one of them had a comorbidity, by the way. Why, why is it? When did, when did we start cheering for medicines and booing for other kinds of medicines in this country. Is it a yay that we're mandating six-year-olds? Is it? Is that a yay? Is that what journalists do now? Okay. Just just asking. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.